This is Here Arizona, addressing issues, empowering our community. I'm standing at the intersection of 3rd Street and Roosevelt in downtown Phoenix, a little after 7 p.m. on Friday, December 4th, 2020. It's pretty chilly outside, and the street is, for the most part, pretty quiet. The bar across the street from where I'm standing has a live band and maybe about a dozen people inside. Most of the other bars are pretty empty, with the exception of one brewery that has a few dozen people. But otherwise, the streets are very quiet tonight, which is different than it would normally be on the first Friday of any month in any other year. A lone man busking on his harmonica plays in an empty parking lot, where a year ago, people danced in a silent rave, listening to house music pumped into their noise-canceling headphones. People would take selfies with the large murals on the side of nearly every building. Free publicity for not just the muralist, but the entire arts district. This would normally be the night that every independent local artist is out selling their goods to people. And they have a captive audience. There are thousands of people that are usually walking the streets right now. Walking into galleries, going into booths, seeing people buying their art. And right now, all of those artists are out this opportunity to sell their goods. This year has brought a lot of unforeseen change to society. The economy has collapsed, education is in trouble, and healthcare is struggling to stay afloat. Events like First Friday that you could once set your watch to are gone, and nobody knows when it will be safe to hold them again. The arts community is struggling too. Here, Arizona looked at the state of the arts community in Arizona and found that a lot of nonprofit arts organizations that are, in some way, essential to the state's economic and cultural development. But in the best of times, they struggled. The pandemic is forcing them to adapt in ways they never imagined. On March 13th, the cast and crew at the Phoenix Theatre Company were well into rehearsals for their next production. It was, it's a very funny musical called Something Rotten, and uh, ironically, it takes place in Shakespeare's time in the middle of a plague. Then, March 14th happened. If you don't remember, that's the day that Americans really began to understand the impact that COVID-19 was going to have on society. George, good morning. There are more and more signs we are entering a new way of life. Here in New York, just behind me, the lights have gone out on Broadway, the theaters are closed, and all across America, tourist attractions are shutting down. And State Places. Superintendent of Public Instruction Kathy Hoffman announced today all schools in the state will stay closed until March 27th. They say that move was not made lightly, but that it's in the, the best interest of, of coronavirus cases in Arizona continues to rise. There are more than 320 confirmed cases in our state with at least six deaths. Maricopa County is the hardest hit and health leaders expect the number to go. This was back when people were fighting over toilet paper and there was a widespread disbelief. Arizona only had a few dozen cases then. There's no way we needed to shut the entire state down because it just wasn't that bad here. But Vincent Van Vliet, the managing director of the Phoenix Theater Company, immediately suspended rehearsals. He figured they'd be back in a few weeks once this blew over. Almost nine months later, and what he describes is reminiscent of the Ukrainian town of Pripyat, close to the stricken nuclear power plant Chernobyl. 
it's still on the stage. It's still sitting there when you walk into our auditorium. Everything is in place from the day we left. The stage manager's prompt book is open to the page that we were on when we shut down. It's a little eerie, like you're walking through some kind of, uh, you know, staged uh, historic haunted theater or something like that. That same week, an event called Art Detour was taking place in the Valley, too. This was the 32nd year that Katrina Kaler's arts nonprofit was hosting it. It was the week of Art Detour 32. And our opening night event is the Art Decor Gala. It would have been the eighth annual uh, gala event. And this is just a fabulous showcase of artistry. And uh, it was a wonderful collaborative um, showcase and the gala itself had to be canceled. Arizona Opera was nearing the end of its season. They only had one more production scheduled, Strauss's Ariadne off Naxos. The opera's general director, Joe Spector, said their biggest fundraising gala for the entire year was planned for March 14th. They had to cancel it the day of. So that was a, a real gut shot to lose uh, such a, a, a large revenue producing event so close to the event itself. Uh, we canceled our final production of the season, Strauss's Ariadne of Noxos, and uh, you know, we had to clear the schedule of uh, a number of other events that were sort of uh, patron-oriented. They were optimistic, though, planning in April to get back to live performances by September. Opening with the Copper Queen in September, Then leading into El Milagro de Recuerdo, The Miracle of Remembering, by November. That never really panned out as intended. We, have, we, we generally thrive in longer planning timelines. So it's a big cultural adaptation for us to, you know, turn on a dime. You know, uh, operatic-sized dimes are more like, uh, you know, pothole covers or, <laughs> or uh, you know, a, a football field. Um, so, so from a cultural perspective, industry-wide, that was a a very, very wrenching turn. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of similar stories. Plays, musicals, gallery openings, shows, concerts, exhibitions, all forced to shut down with very little notice over what, at the time, we were led to believe was just a bad flu season. When you have 15 people, and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. That's a pretty good job we've done. Bars, restaurants, boutique shops, and thousands of small local businesses had to close abruptly too. Except they had the government on their side. The Paycheck Protection Plan, the federal stimulus, state aid money. It certainly wasn't enough, but it was something. Here in Arizona, though, arts organizations receive exactly zero dollars in state funding. In fact, Arizona ranks 50th for legislative funding for the arts and is the only state with no funding for the arts at all. Most arts organizations here are nonprofit and rely on two different types of funding. The first and most common is contributed revenue. That comes from grants, sponsorships, and individual gifts. Think NPR's pledge drives and car donations. There's also earned revenue. That's money that they earn through ticket sales or programming. Basically, money exchanged for goods and services. 
For a lot of arts nonprofits, that all dried up pretty quickly in March. This is a serious problem for the arts community. All these things have kind of collided to, to create a very precarious situation for cultural nonprofits where many of them you know, don't have enough cash reserve to last them beyond uh, three to six months. And lots of donor fatigue trying to keep these organizations going. So even before the pandemic, we were facing significant strains. That, that beautiful model from the 1950s, you know, we might sort of say it's sort of, it's gone as far as it can go. That's Stephen Tepper. He's the dean of the Herberger Institute for Design and the Arts at Arizona State University. Arts nonprofits have been chugging along just fine for the past few decades. They might not be flush with cash, but they were able to fulfill their missions and provide cultural enrichment to their communities. But the pandemic is changing that. We need to start thinking about other ways in which these organizations or new organizations might uh, contribute to uh, a community's cultural ecology. Um, so, uh, so there was a need for change and transformation and disruption. I think what we've seen is that, you know, cultural organizations are having to obviously rethink everything. As a society, we've shifted into this mindset of essential and non-essential businesses over the past few months. Grocery stores, essential. Restaurants, essential. Golf courses, essential. But arts, that's certainly not essential. It's just pretty, something that's nice to have, right? You know, art is not publicly funded and it's losing money, you know, from nonprofits. Why does that matter? Why, why sure. do we need it? Um, no, that's a, critical, that's a critical question. I think um, it's not enough to argue, well, it has economic benefits. It does, right? We have economic impact studies and it shows, you know, the arts produce whatever, you know, several billion dollars of additional economic impact for the state. That's fantastic. It's not because, you know, art is, uh, is just somehow so intrinsically important that we should prioritize it above other human needs, um, although it is, and, you know, but we still have to make decisions about scarce resources. That's a lot to take in. Art drives cultural development, which drives economic development, both of which are good for everybody. Think of the transformation downtown Phoenix has seen over the last few decades. In the 1990s, it was a ghost town after sunset. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the big leagues. Soon, the Diamondbacks and the Suns came. But unless there was a game on, it was empty at 6 p.m. Light rail came in 2008 as did an expanded convention center and the ASU downtown campus. You could draw people in, but it was hard to make them stay without unique shops, restaurants, and bars. I mean, the arts are a major driver uh, in, in terms of economic activity here, generating over $500 billion a year. Um, that's a nationwide statistic. And, and I think that they have a real role to play in the cultural life in Arizona. You know, companies that are looking to move uh, headquarters to Phoenix or set up uh, divisions in Phoenix are thinking about their employees and what the quality of life is for them. Even beyond dollars and cents, though, the arts are a cultural experience. They give people something to connect with others over. And these days, that's important. For me right now in this moment, I think about the challenge that we are having as a world um, with the unrelenting and accelerating change 
unbelievable economic change and we've got unbelievable political change and demographic change and technological change. What that does, we know that when humans go through that kind of change, they became they become anxious, they become fearful, they become intolerant, they experience cognitive closure, which is like don't you know, don't show me that new stuff. I'm going to kind of stick to what I know. So, who wakes up every day helping people move from fear to creativity, right? From intolerance to curiosity, from cognitive closure to a place where you're imagining different futures. Well, that's what artists do. Even without a global pandemic, arts organizations have changed over time, just like art has changed over time. The pandemic has just accelerated that change. Each of these organizations, and all the organizations we'll be featuring in this podcast series, have had to adapt and pivot on the fly to survive. The first big change has been developing COVID-safe activities. Yeah, so as you walk in, you're going to be met by uh, our, our staff or volunteer ushers there. And the queue line is going to be uh, six feet apart with markings on the ground. They, they're going to greet you and everything is paperless as much as possible. There are and a uh, outdoor opera film fest that we actually just did this past weekend at the Pavilion Theater at the, uh, the Herberger Theater Center. Um, that's an outdoor venue that was created fundamentally in response to COVID. Uh, by the way, supported generously through the Virginia G. Piper Charitable Trust. Um, and adapting to the increasingly online world. What you have now is you have artists who are, who are you know, zooming into living rooms. You have, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who shows up to listen to, you know, a musical theater student sing the bit that they couldn't sing because they couldn't produce the musical in person. But, you know, here this kid has a chance to actually sing it for this legend. And, you know, that's just three minutes of Lin-Manuel Miranda's time to, to zip into your living room. So our, our symphony orchestra musicians are doing the same thing. We're being able, we're having talks with artists for our, for our ASU Art Museum. Uh, you're getting to actually talk to them in their studios and they take you on a tour of their studio. How fantastic is that? Were these changes inevitable or were they accelerated by the pandemic? Could arts organizations have thrived into the future without adapting this way? This podcast series will look at the entire state of the arts community in Arizona. We'll talk about the lack of government funding, the way organizations are being forced to change, and the economic impacts a thriving, or dying, arts community has on a state. It's important to remember that art is more than just pretty pictures, sculptures, and songs. It's the clothes we wear, the buildings we live and work in, the books we read, the way humans have communicated the human experience for millennia. Like each town, state, county, and culture, Arizona has its own distinct artistic community that reflects the experience of the people that live here. Art is the expression of the human experience within a society, and that's important, especially now. These are the innovators of the world. And if anyone can figure out how to push through, through um, unsettling times, it's going to be, you know, this community. And is it going to be hard? Yes. Will new habits be formed? Yes. Will new solutions be identified? Yes. And will new ways of promoting arts and culture and connecting within this community come about? Most likely. We really, we don't know what the future holds. None of us do, but we know that the soulful contribution of this community 
maybe more important than ever. You just listened to an entire podcast episode on the arts, so obviously this issue carries some weight for you. To learn more about the organizations we profiled and the issues they face, visit our website, hearearizona.org. That's H-E-A-R Arizona.org. Tell all of your friends to check us out, too. They can search for Here Arizona on their favorite podcast listening app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, NPR One, or Spotify. And since we're all about empowering our community, we want you to be part of the conversation. Follow Here Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This podcast series is made possible by a grant from the Virginia G. Piper Charitable Trust. Here Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sun Sounds, Spot 127, KBOC, and KJZZ. Special thanks to the Arizona Commission for the Arts, the Herberger Institute for Design and the Arts, the Phoenix Theatre Company, the Arizona Opera, and ArtLink for their help with this episode. This episode was produced, written, directed, and hosted by me, Scott Bork. Jalen Scott handles our social media, Amber Favela is our graphic designer, and Cameo Hill is our web developer. Our executive producer is Linda Pastori. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Scott Bork from Here Arizona Podcasts. Since you're still listening, you're obviously a fan of ours. We want to hear more from you. Visit hearearizona.org and take our listener survey. That's H-E-A-R Arizona.org. Thanks for listening.